I'm Brooke Gurley, and you are listening to Untold Stories, the cases that shaped the civil rights movement, presented by Law and Crime. This podcast is the audio adaptation of my video series titled The Untold Stories of the Civil Rights Movement. And now, on to this week's episode. What's up, everyone? It's me, Brooke. Welcome back to this page, this YouTube page, Facebook page, Instagram page, and even the podcast. I'm so glad you joined me here. I'm excited for all the wonderful cases I have for you. So let's get into this week's episode. All right, this week is a fun case <laughs> that starts in the 1960s and, well, the case doesn't end, but the story ends with Tyler Perry. Right, I know, you're like, what? Yeah, let's let's get into this. The case that we are doing this week is the Heart of Atlanta Motel versus the United States, and it's from 1964. So let's get into the facts of the case, shall we? Wonderful, okay. So the Heart of Atlanta Motel is this beautiful plush motel. Well, I feel like nowadays we would think it was janky, but back then it was like a 200 plus room motel with a huge diving board, um, a pool big enough to fit a boat in. I don't know why you would put a boat in a pool in a motel, but that's what they did. And it was owned by this guy named Morton Rolston Jr. And a segregationist who was also an attorney and a businessman. And uh, he said, I ain't serving to no black people in my motel. And so he didn't. Even though in 1963, about like 14 of the local hotels, motels within the Atlanta area agreed to integrate. He was like, I'm not doing it. Who gonna check me, boo? So <laughs> he didn't do it. And then in 1964, the Civil Rights Act of 1964 was passed. And Title II of that act said that you had to integrate or you can't discriminate in public accommodation. So like within hours of Lyndon B. Johnson signing the law, uh, Rolston like files an injunction and he goes down to the clerk of the court to file this injunction against the United States saying you can't force me to integrate my lovely motel. Now it's important to note here too that this motel was so conveniently located at the close to the intersection of two major interstate highways, 85 and 75, as well as other major state roads. 75% of the people who visited his uh, motel were from out of state. And so it was also advertised in other states. So it was clearly meant to bring in out of towners to this motel. This is important later when we get into the analysis of this court case. So Rolston goes to the clerk of court because like the, the court was closed, so he couldn't even file it there, but apparently he knew the guy. And he filed his injunction. And in his injunction, he said the United States cannot force me to integrate. This law, the Civil Rights Act of 1964, is unconstitutional. And he gave at least three reasons, and I'll check this out. He said that Congress enacted this based on the Commerce Clause, and when it did so, it was overstepping its bounds. This is not interstate commerce. Then he also argued that it was a violation of his Fifth Amendment due process rights because the government was telling him how to run his business, who to accept, and so they were assuming his business without giving him just compensation. The most ridiculous of his arguments was that this law violated the 13th Amendment. Yeah, the amendment to end slavery, yeah, he was saying that this was essentially the same as slavery because it was forcing him to serve people that he didn't want to serve. Yeah, I know. It, it's ridiculous. The boldness, the caucasity of this man. He files his injunction at the district court level and he loses, as he should have. 
he ends up filing all the way up to the United States Supreme Court and that's how we get to this case. So those are the facts the issue. So even though he argues these three things, the court is looking at whether or not Congress had the power to enact the Civil Rights Act, Act of 1964 based upon the Commerce Clause. That was the question. Did they overstep their bounds? The holding. The court said no, Congress did not overstate its bounds. This is well within the Commerce Clause power to enact this law. The reasoning. Well, before I get to the reasoning, it's important to note, because some of you may be thinking, why are they doing the Commerce Clause and not like the 14th Amendment? Well, if you recall the civil rights cases of 1883, the court kind of cut that option off and saying that the 14th Amendment wasn't about uh, individual to individual discrimination. That can happen. Um, the 14th Amendment doesn't prohibit that. Rather, what it does is prohibit the states or the government, the federal government, from discriminating against people based upon their race. And so Congress couldn't go that route with the 14th Amendment. They had to say, okay, well, how do we dictate individualized behavior. So Congress said, okay, well, we can use the Commerce Clause. We do have power there to, to regulate interstate commerce, and this is interstate commerce. So the court found a few things. One is said, okay, this hotel, by being conveniently located between or close to Interstate 85 and 75, and having all these advertisements out of state saying, hey, come to the heart of Atlanta Motel, and that the fact that 75% of the people who visited that hotel were from out of state. This is clearly something about interstate commerce. People, I guess, in a sense, are commerce, and we're regulating that. Also, whether or not black people can stay at different places dictates whether or not they are free to move about the country. Think Lovecraft Country, that first episode, with the Green Book and um, Sunset uh, Towns and all of that good stuff. Um, whether or not black people can have a place to stay definitely dictates whether or not they go out of town and whether or not they're moving um, themselves, which again is kind of commerce, or moving their money across state lines. So the court said, yes, Congress had the power under the Commerce Clause to enact the Civil Rights Act of 1964 and therefore really helped strengthen the law altogether. Um, it dismissed the Fifth Amendment argument although other justices said maybe that should have been a basis as well. And it completely said the 13th Amendment is frivolous. It's like, this is absolutely ridiculous because the 13th Amendment is about slavery. It said, because this has nothing to do with slavery about involuntary servitude, um, but about accommodations, get out of here with this foolishness. So that's what the court ruled. Again, there were other justices that had differing opinions about whether or not they should have rested this decision based on the Commerce Clause. Anyway, Congress ended up using this Commerce Clause to pass a lot of legislation, ending really its run in the 1990s, I want to say, with U. Lopez versus the United States that dealt with um, gun control, guns in schools. And that's when the court was like, okay, this is too much. Um, don't mess with our guns. We're Americans. That's what happened. This is how I get to Tyler Perry because you're like, where is Tyler Perry coming all this? I got you. So what ended up happening is because he lost at the Supreme Court, the Supreme Court said in, here's your injunction to stop you from uh, segregating your motel. It, they ended up opening it up to other people, to black people, and it stayed there for about 11 years, and then he sold the property to Hilton, and now there's a, the Hilton downtown sits on that land. Um, Rolston ended up, because of legal issues and all these other things, losing his property, his personal property, where his home sat. And um, he got into a legal battle and the land was up for sale. And guess who bought it? None other than Tyler Perry, who bought it in like 2005, 2007. 
in Rolston <laughs> has sued so many people, but he has sued Tyler Perry multiple times claiming that the land belongs to him and that it was his house. When Tyler Perry tore down Rolston's old home to build his plush mansion, um, Rolston was there with the police trying to stop him. The crew from building, it, he's a mess. I mean, at 87 years old, he was still filing these lawsuits. The court said, stop filing these lawsuits. We are going to put you in contempt of court, going to jail. He keeps filing, he kept filing his lawsuits. He went to jail. Honestly, he just sounds a little, you know, a little crazy, but you know, segregation, racism will do that to the mind. I think it should be in the DSM. So yeah, Tyler Perry, shout out to you for taking not only Rolston, uh, the staunch segregationist land and building your nice home on it, but also shout out to you for taking the former Confederate soldier land, campground or whatever, and turning that into your studios. You are the real MVP when it comes to land ownership and reclaiming the land. I'm here for it. So why is this case important? Well, it's important because this is a shift. So whereas before the other cases that I brought were the plaintiffs were black people who were saying, hey, my right is being violated protect my rights. Um, this is a case where a white man is saying your civil rights laws, the ones that are meant to protect minorities, to protect black people, well, they're violating my rights. This case is also important because what you see is now these laws that were enacted to protect black people are being used against the protection of black people. So you have the 13th amendment that was enacted to free black people, um, being used as an argument to why someone should be able to continue to segregate and subjugate black people and so there's just like legal fiction and stretching that's going on here thankfully the court was like that's absurd i'm not even this is frivolous but as time goes on and as we get more removed from slavery in time um the court seems more willing to accept this even though it's not in my opinion warranted at all so it's again i've said this so many times and i'm gonna keep saying we have to be vigilant about what it is we are doing um, with the courts and how the court is ruling on, on all of these things. If you would like to know more about this case, if you'd like to hear the oral arguments and hear Rolston actually argue this case um, to the United States Supreme Court, sounds just like you probably would think. Um, I'm going to leave a link there and you can listen to that and some other resources to help you understand what's going on. All right, that's all I have for now. I'm trying to stick these things that are keep them within 10 minute sound bites but I am far more loquacious than I realize, and I'm working on it. Anyway, thank you so much for joining me this time. Please come back next week. Be sure to share, like, and subscribe wherever you are listening, whether that's YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, or the podcast. I would greatly appreciate it if you are listening on the podcast to leave a review, to rate and review this podcast. Until next time, you all still be safe because there is still a pandemic and there is still a racial uprising, and... It's dangerous out there, even though people want to gaslight you about it. Don't let them do it. I want to see you here in the future to see the success, to see justice and harmony come about. That is my hope for this country. We'll see what happens. Um, you all take care. Until next week, God bless. To watch the video series that inspired this podcast, Head over to my blog, palookiesworld.com, and make sure you subscribe. For more information on the series, like how do you spell Paluki, please check out the show notes. Finally, please be sure to subscribe to this podcast so that you never miss an episode.